Person of Interest podcast, episode number seven, It Takes a Thief. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Welcome back. We're Hmm. back. The band's back together. Oh, man, after two whole weeks. It seemed longer. I've missed you, Doug. I don't mind saying it publicly, but I've missed you. Daryl, it's it's just nothing the same without you, you know what I mean? I know. We go a week with no person of interest, and I don't know what to do with myself. I mean, last Thursday night, I was pacing around the living room. I had no microphone in front of my mouth. I had no Doug in my ear, and my wife is going, hey. What are you doing? What are you doing in here? You're supposed to be in your office talking about person of interest. Why don't you get out of here? And you had to, had to do something with yourself. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So I went and ran around the block. Not really. No. Oh, man. Nah, I'm not. I, yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't think I would do that. Of course, I'm at a, I'm in a cul-de-sac, so the block is kind of a little <laughs> Just run around the cul-de-sac. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to be back talking about person of interest and welcome. We're glad to have you back listening to us. Of course, I'm Daryl and I've never driven recklessly into a jewelry store, which I'm kind of proud of. Don't know that that's really something I need to be proud of as I figure most of us haven't, but you never know. Recklessly elsewhere, perhaps? Oh, well, I can neither confirm nor deny. Okay, fair enough. Well, I'm Doug and I'm looking suspiciously at my Samsung tablets <clears throat> camera. Uh, yeah, we're glad to have you here once again after two weeks as we cover Person of Interest for Season 4, Episode 7, which originally aired November 11th, 2014, entitled Honor Among Thieves. <laughs> nice pronunciation of the H. Thank you. It doesn't get enough uh, play, I don't think. Initial it- H's. It's it's a humble letter, or an humble letter, you might say. <laughs> it's an humble letter. <laughs> That's right. Well, this podcast is brought to you by Golden Spiral Media, of course. If you're going to be doing any holiday shopping, Christmas shopping, you know, Black Friday is coming up. Mm. Amazon's got some pretty kicking deals already, so we would love for you to consider using goldenspiralmedia.com slash Amazon. And there you can pick up some awesome person of interest DVDs or Blu-rays or a whole plethora of other fine goods. That's our word for the week, plethora. Plethora. We've got a plethora of words, but we only choose to use them one week at a time. (laughs) (laughs) We can only handle so much of that. That's right. And we have a wonderful uh, Patreon page. If you go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash POI, there's a whole bunch of stuff. There's, of course our episodes, but there's also a link to the Patreon page. Let me ask you this. How would you like to have a an alarm like ringtone or something like that with our voices on it? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it could happen. It could happen. Depending on uh, your Patreonage uh, at, the, at the Patreon page, there are certain bennies that you can get, and that's one of them. So check it out. Take a look and see what uh, what you could possibly get there. It's pretty nifty. 
Indeed. Well, we're talking about Person of Interest Season 4, Episode 7 today, which, as you said, aired on November 11th, entitled Honor Among Thieves. This episode was written by David Slack and directed by Sylvian White. You know, Doug, honestly, Sylvian's a pretty pretty kicking name. I mean, that's it's not a name you hear very often, but... There's somebody who works for the company I work for is by that name, too. Mm-hmm. Pronounces it Sylvain. I was going to ask you if maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong, and so Sylvain, okay. And we just followed on the on our Person of Interest uh, Twitter account, mm-hmm. just uh, noticed that we can follow David Slack, the writer. His uh, Twitter handle is Slack to the Future. I love it. Nice. That is a great Twitter name. <laughs> I am jealous of that Twitter name. Yeah, very nice. Well, what do you have in the way of news for us this week, Doug? All righty, the ratings, not so good. Oh. Person of Interest hit a season low 1.3 in the Magic Demographic 18 to 49, down 24% from the 1.7 last week. It had 9.03 million viewers, which was, again, fifth for the night, which is about where it's been sitting every week. So uh, so we're not really losing ground there. We just, uh, maybe everybody had a a bad night. You know, two, two weeks out, everybody's like, oh, wait a minute, were we supposed to be doing something at this time on Tuesday? I don't know. So anyway, yeah, but uh, so it's the season low so far, but I have a feeling there were a lot of other season lows. It could be that all the Democrats moved to Canada because they weren't happy with the results from the previous week. <laughs> and when we get the Canadian numbers in, they, they'll be higher. They'll be high. Well, we're doing good up there because Lawrence Griffin on the Facebook group, actually, he mentioned it on the Facebook group and he also tweeted it to us. He said that Person of Interest is still doing well in Canada. The show made the 30 most watched shows again, finishing 12th for the episode Profits, which was viewed by 2.1 million viewers up there. So, you know, maybe those numbers will start going up, yeah, for uh, for the post-election uh, uh, weeks. That would be good. You know, and really, I mean, 9 million viewers is, is still pretty good in today's TV world that we live in, in terms yeah. of live viewers. Uh, it's just the CBS demographic. We talk about this almost every week, so you know, no need to hash into it again. But it, it's, it's a little bit discouraging when you look at one column and see 9 million viewers. You look at the other column and see a 1.3. Yeah, I'm looking at like Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now we had a 1.5, which is even lower than... A uh, person of interest was last week, so that's interesting. A 1.5 uh, sh- uh, sh- uh, rating, but they had 4.3 million viewers, yep. you know, so less than half. So, you know, I think we're pretty good. If Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to get renewed, buddy, person of interest better be. Yep. That's and the I way like it works. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, it's a good show. You know, if you are an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan, you might want to check out The Sandbox, a Golden Spiral media production. Wow, that was a great, uh, great segue there. I like that. Well... I try. Actually, that is a great podcast. Mike and Dave do a fantastic job on that. So if you have, if you're not aware of all the podcasts, we have over a dozen podcasts going right now here at Golden Spiral Media, goldenspiralmedia.com slash podcasts. And you can find one that you like. That's for sure. If you don't like this one, don't give up. <laughs> Golden Spiral Media has more. That's right. And if you do like this one, why not go get some more? <laughs> all right. Let's talk about some feedback that we got previously because there were multiple people that wrote in, including, was it Introvert60 and Scott Drone Silvers 
Uh, they both. Well, that's, that, that's his name, Scott Drone Silvers, and his uh, Twitter handle is introvert60. Oh, I didn't. I should have known that. I I didn't know what his Twitter name was. Um, that makes sense. So, uh, but yes, I have been calling the Pretenders and singing the 500 Miles song for the last two weeks leading up to this, you know, prior to this episode, of course. That's not by the Pretenders. That's by the Proclaimers. My apologies. My apologies. I stand corrected. But he did say the podcast rocks, so we're, you know, we're good with that. Yeah. Well, that's good. At least we didn't lose Scott over my snafu. And, you know, Scott's been listening to Golden Spiral Media for a long time, so he's probably quite well adjusted to my errors on various podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. But no, seriously, Scott, thank you for writing that in, letting me know. And he wasn't the only one. There was somebody else. Uh, Oh, I know what it was. Somebody sent me a private message on Facebook. And as soon oh, as okay. uh, she she wrote me, I'm like, oh, good grief. Crap. <laughs> so my apologies. Thank you, folks, for letting us know. Don't ever, you know, you know, shirk back from uh, from correcting us here that we want. We need that. We want that. We absolutely have to have it. That's right. OK, what did you think? What was your rating? Not the television ratings, but your personal rating <laughs> for Honor Among Thieves. You know, I liked it. It was a good Number of the week episode it had a few uh, tentacles that reached out into other areas of person of interest. That was really nice. So I gave it eight planted bags of cocaine. <laughs> well, that's pretty much uh, where I placed it to eight marvelous Marburg Viri. Viri? I believe that's yeah, it's not viruses, it's viri. You know, that's the old, uh, what's it, Latin or something, uh, Roman something. I say Latin. <laughs> yeah. Vira, I, a, I thought we were only using one big word this week. Now we've gone to the second big word of the week. I am sorry. A plethora of viri. There we are. <laughs> there, that's when you're in trouble right there. <laughs> Had you heard of this particular virus before the episode this week? No, and I was thinking perhaps they were inventing it for the story. I don't, it might be one, but I was when I was watching it, I thought, and you know, they were comparing it to Ebola, but they didn't want to use that necessarily because it's kind of a... You know, uh, scare. You know, there's a scare going on, of course, in, in right. the U.S. We've gotten rid of all the known cases so far, but just because it's a uh, sensitive subject, they may have uh, made it up. I don't know. I didn't even bother look it up. Did you? Uh, did you know? No, I didn't. But I did wonder if, because, like you said, Ebola has obviously made a lot of news recently. I don't know how far out they did this episode or how long ago, but you know, the Ebola thing is still relatively current i don't know if that was a last minute change to get it in there or if they somehow saw it in the tea leaves that ebola was going to become a news item or if, or if they were just this current you know with their normal production schedule but it was seemed pretty interesting and, and very very relevant they did a good uh, a good uh, relevant i see what you did there all righty uh, thank you thank you very much but yeah keeping keeping up to date on uh, on current events you you it's like they're they're filming it the day before or something like that. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Do you recall how to pronounce the POI's last name? It's Tomas was the first name. I, yeah, I think it was Coroa. Coroa. Okay. I started to to type it out, and I'm like, I don't know how to spell that. And so Coroa. Okay. I'm probably going to stick to Tomas. Yes. I was, well, yeah. I don't think there's. I think it's just spelled the same way as Thomas. Right, exactly. Or, or, or depending on how you pronounce it, Thomas. I don't know. <laughs> There's that H again. 
there it is. He get the, he doesn't get enough. It does not get enough uh, play, you know. It, it really he, is quite ignored. Mm-hmm. Even you know, and on this podcast, especially when it comes to our feedback time, we love doing funny things with Dutch and his weird H that he throws on his name. He is the Doctor of H, <laughs> the Time Lord of H's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Thomas Caroa. Well, you know, he he doesn't show up right at the beginning. We see Shaw with her old uh, her old crowd, and uh, and it's it's looking like uh, ultimately. Wait, it looks it looks like just a regular old you know heist. But at the end there, at the end of it, she is she's not happy. Clearly, did she take a bag of gold and throw it into the river? Was it gold or money or jewels or I yeah, don't know. something it like gold you know. bars? And I'm just like, what? <laughs> Why did you do that? Oh man, snack one. I mean, it only takes one of those. But anyway, yeah, what what I thought was funny, we, we see a lot of stunt work in this show, obviously, and, and the stunt work is is really exceptional. But this was one of those scenes where they're under the underpass and she's kicking three guys butt at once. There was one of those knees to the head that was it was like uh, there's that scene from Star Wars when when they're uh, at the Sarlacc pit and Luke kicks a guy and he's like a foot from his face, but the guy reacts anyway. I don't know if you've ever seen the screen captures of this. <laughs> no, I've, I've missed that. <laughs> That's what it was like. Her knee clearly never made contact with his head, uh, but he reacted as though it did. And I know, of course, it's stunt work. There's never any contact that's really made, but usually you can't tell because of the camera angle is done just right, but... I guess with three of them, they're getting their butt kicked at once. The camera angle wasn't perfect for all three of them. And there was one of them where I was like, that clearly didn't make any contact. And it was great because uh, uh, Bear was, I was watching the Bear tweets, you know. We had those, we had those going. <laughs> yes. And he tweeted out in Dutch, of course, and the, uh, the translation was, Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? Oh, yeah, on the way to the hospital because Hammer Lady kicked your uh, <laughs> posterior. Yeah. So, uh, nice. so, yeah, he was, uh, he was clearly uh, a, if the dog can tell that she's peeved at you, you, you've been peeved at. I love that we have a Dutch-speaking dog using Twitter Quoting Shakespeare. I mean, come on. What other show do you get things like this? <laughs> there is, no, that's got to be that's got to be a first. Yeah, that's it's like true. the trifecta. You talk about a triple threat. I mean, that's clearly why they he got the job because he can use Twitter, speak Dutch, and read Shakespeare. Man alive! Yes, a hashtag with Shakespeare. He's a, but you know he did he did kind of miss that. It's it's wherefore out there, Romeo. But mm-hmm. you know there you are. Yeah. But you know, but he doesn't do old English. He does Dutch. So there you are. <laughs> that's right. So shortly after the underpass, that's when the POI comes into play. It, it really did kind of harken back to early days of POI when we really weren't sure if the POI was going to be the perp or the victim, and and this is a really a, a case where it could have gone either way, and and really for the majority of the episode. We probably weren't sure which which direction it was going to go. I liked getting back to that. That was you know because there's it was always nice to have a little mystery there just with that and and not being so very obvious from the beginning. So that was good to have. Yeah, it was. So at first we think he is a wine dealer. Of course we know he can't just be a wine dealer. What do you think of the uh, jewel heist he pulled up where they all get into the car? You know we think it's going to be a. Um, they're going to take them out? Jacked or something, yeah. And then they end up running the car into the to the jewelry store. I've never quite seen a jewelry store 
taken out that way. That was new to me. Maybe I haven't watched enough TV. I like the name of the gang yeah. based on their MO, the Hole in the Wall gang. Kind of a big, big hole, you know, but hey. Yeah. No, that worked out great. And, and, and it was interesting that they take out the cameras because essentially that, now they don't know, but it's blinding Samaritan as well. Mm-hmm. So it can't really tell, you know, what's going on, which is, which I, I, I don't know if that was, I don't know if that got Samaritan's uh, attention because they did that. I mean, that's, that's certainly, a, a, you know, t- taking out the eyes in one part of, you know, anything, any, anywhere those are, would I think make, uh, make Samaritan kind of like turn its head and say, what the heck is going on over here? Yeah, and then there's pl- clearly enough cameras around to be able to see what's who's leaving. But anyway, mm-hmm. um, yes, that would certainly get its attention. Well, then, and that's an interesting topic for this episode because as we work our way through the episode, particularly with what was the final scene of the episode, the cameras and and who is trying to mess with cameras is definitely going to draw more attention from Samaritan and. You know, with what we get with Root as well, with her phone being hacked and all that stuff. So Samaritan is being vigilant. Uh-huh. You like that? Um, uh-huh. Thank you. Thank you. And it's it's definitely on the lookout for those who might be trying to circumvent its all-seeingness. And they were all, we, we find out later that the whole team, including the one that they took out to get Shaw in there, all of them were out to to uh, to kill Thomas at some point. He wasn't going to make it out of that particular heist alive anyway. Right. And thank goodness for Shaw that she was there to actually, you know, deal with it. And I'm, I'm surprised, though, that since that other woman was part of a plot, that the other two would just very easily say, oh, yeah, just bring in somebody else and bada-bing. They needed her, but you would think that they would have a backup plan, a backup person, somebody who could who could do that particular job of, you know, getting the attention of the concierge and da 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 and can I see your safe and all that, but uh, also understand what the ultimate plan was. Yeah, and and really, this was some of the area in the, in the episode that I, I thought was the weakest. I thought there was some some stretches that they wanted us to make. You can call them plot holes if you want to, that I that I really wasn't willing to go and this was one of them where the lady is imprisoned or, or jailed is a better term for it here. That was fine. I had no problem with that. I had no problem with uh, Reese being able to plant the drugs on her the way that he did. What I had a problem with was them bringing her on, bringing Shaw on and then saying, Oh yeah, the job's in 20 minutes. I mean, you would not, I can't think of any thief worth his salt that would make a switch to their team like that and be ready to execute it and trust that person 20 minutes later. Particularly like you just said, these two where two members of the of the three remaining are actually in cahoots with the one that's now gone to kill the remaining guy. It's just I don't know, that didn't seem very very realistic to me. Only thing I only thing I can think of is that you know for them timing was everything, you know, they had to get in and out in a certain amount of time and if I guess if Harold had given Shaw a enough of a backstory that they were convinced that she could do it in that amount of time, again, not having seen it, but uh, if if he'd given her a reputation for that, then perhaps that's that was enough. Because even even the uh, you know Tomas was uh, asking the other two guys, you know, he he did the little initial interview, but then he brings in the other two guys and gives them veto. 
they said yes. You know, so right. they did they see all the same background? Did they see all the same uh, uh, reputation that uh, that Tom, Tomas did? I guess so. But like you said, yeah, it's it's kind of nebulous there. It was uh, kind of a hand wave to get her into the uh, into the team. Yeah, and I'm guessing that they like they just thought that hey. We'll kill her too. More money for us. Not, you know, they probably thought that they, it was a situation that they could handle. Uh, on, when they, when it comes time to actually pull the heist where she shows up to the concierge and he takes her into the vault. I didn't really have any problem with, with that part of it. I, and, and I actually quite liked the idea that they tied in veterans day to this. I thought yes, that was yes, really yes. nice. Uh, we know we talked about the Ebola thing. Did they did they get lucky on that? Did they are they that current with it? Well, they know when this episode is going to be aired, and so the Veterans Day tie in was was quite nice, really really clever. But I did think it was completely unrealistic that they could pull the safe out the way that they did with this cable, and then just kind of drag it out the door and and down the street. Like it was a straight shot, like the vault wouldn't be, you know, down a corridor to, you know, that just seemed completely mm-hmm. way too far-fetched. That that was one that I had an issue with. We'll get to the final vault when we get to that point. But there were some things that I, I felt like were were a little bit weak. And But minor plot, you know, point, you know, we, we just needed to keep the, the story going. I get that. But it, I was like, oh, come on. That, that wouldn't happen. So does anybody, I wonder if, uh, if you all out there, you need to, tweet us or leave us some feedback is there really a marburg virus um or maybe i'm going to look it up while we uh, do something else or we're talking about something else but uh uh so instead of jewels you know this is what we've got to uh to, to get out of there is this new virus that we're i think was going to be the idea was to weaponize it you know pick a couple of people and we had a couple of people right there and we're going to have a uh, a new vector to get this stuff out to out to uh, New York City. Now, tr- uh, can you remind me why were they going to do that? Why did they want to kill a whole bunch of people in New York City? What was the end game of that one? Well, I wasn't real clear on that either. I was going to ask you if this was a, a Samaritan job or if this was really just a job of the scorned you know, ex-comrade of this of the hole in the wall gang or, or was this a Samaritan? Was this ultimately a Samaritan job? Well, it may be a Samaritan job because I'm looking ahead in our notes here and remembering that we had uh, what appeared to be former Northern Lights assets. Uh, we used to get numbers mm-hmm. and investigate them. Now we're getting numbers and just killing them. Well, Northern Lights is no more. I mean, the program isn't. But these people, I'm wondering if they have just been absorbed by Samaritan or Samaritan has taken over the the organization so that these folks don't know that there's, you know, they don't know what's going on in behind the scenes. They have no idea that there's a new machine, that there's, uh, you know, that, that sort of thing. Who's, who's pulling the strings? So uh, the idea may have been to give, uh, give some people, you know, we're going to steal this virus. Some people don't know what's going on. They think they're stealing jewels. Some people think they know what's going on. They're told they're stealing a virus and we're going to infect people. But Samaritan has the real plan, which is I'm going to send in my assets. We're going to kill them all and get the virus. Yeah. You know, so we can use it for whatever we're going to, whatever we want to do. Yeah. And I think that's, that's kind of where I'm, I'm confused a little bit. And I don't know that we'll ever really know. Look, 
Samaritan is now the Northern Lights pumping information to the government. That was part of the deal. That was how they they're able to get the feeds into Samaritan. Was it for the government to allow them access to the feeds? So we know that Samaritan still needs to put up a front to the government to be able to provide them with information that they think is relevant or maybe even is relevant for what the government wants so that they can continue to get the information and do what they are actually doing behind the scenes. That is Samaritan. So from that context, it would make sense that Samaritan would identify this potentially mass casualty virus that's that's just on the cusp of getting into the public and causing an outbreak, you would think that, that that is definitely an event worthy of bringing in the, let's call it Northern Lights, just for distinction, the Northern Lights side of, you know, the, the machine, so, uh, or the operation. So that, that I'm, I'm totally on board with that. I guess what we don't really know is if Samaritan was really, had an ulterior motive here to get its hands on the virus so that it could do something, you know, much more nefarious, of course, but I don't know. I don't think we got a, I didn't feel like we got a clear direction on that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the idea though could be that, you know, Samaritan, we don't know what was, what communication might've been happening between Decima, if that's really still there mm-hmm. and the government, perhaps it was like, Hey, Somebody's going. Somebody's going. Samaritan thinks somebody's going to steal this virus. We're going to get it back for you, or somebody's going to steal this virus. We will stop it, and after it's done, my own people are going to hang on to it. You know mm-hmm. that 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 sort of thing. We 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 really don't know what uh, what was happening there. We didn't see any of uh, uh, Greer in that crowd. So right. But we, it was interesting. The the two uh, Northern Lights. I'm going to call them Northern Lights assets because I have a feeling based on their conversation that they used to be that. Uh, they're, you know, they knew exactly what to do. They're supposed to be taking this away from the the thieves, but uh, I liked that the guy and and Shaw. That's true. And Shaw actually um, uh, verified that she had trained the the man of that team. That's right. But the woman was certainly a true believer. I mean, hey, we're paid to kill, not to think. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Well, she must be a recent addition, maybe maybe a, a Decima slash Samaritan addition to. Uh, to that crew, to that crowd, the the the, uh, the old Northern Lights assets. So I like the back and forth between them because it does. You know, you've got you've got people who you know do have a conscience and we're, are are thinking about. Look, before we were stopping terrorism. If you, I mean, this is the 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 subtext. We were stopping terrorism. We would look into it. There was people involved, and now we're just saying, here's a number, kill them. Right. And that's really the. Uh, a microcosm of what's going on with Samaritan versus the machine. Yeah. Before the mi- the machine gives you a number, and you are in charge now. Samaritan is in charge, and you're just nice little robots and going on doing what we're supposed to do. Yeah, we're not paid to think; we're just paid to kill, and that was not the case before. They were, you know, before they were paid to use all of their assets, their mind being one of them, and when necessary, kill. And I think that was an important distinction. It reminded me of. A conversation that, ironically, I don't, although I don't think ironically, I think it was very intentional, that Shaw had, remember the, the former partner that she had, and he started asking questions, and he ended up getting killed. And part of that kind of converted her over to, to see a bigger picture of things. And that's now where this guy who was trained by Shaw, he's asking questions, even lets her go there at the end of the episode, 
Now, I don't know what's going to happen to him. I think his life is very, very much in danger because of the decisions that he made. And the mm-hmm. if, if those conversations and questions that he was asking were picked up by any type of microphone or camera, then Samaritan is very aware of those as well. And will be his loyalty is, is in question, I guess, you know. He's certainly somebody who could uh, could really be uh, an asset to somebody outside. Right. That's not something a Samaritan wants, so yeah. Right. And maybe, you know, I had been thinking earlier on, they kept making it sound like Tomas was going to be possibly a member of Team Machine. Shaw certainly invited him to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this fella, I believe his, there's, I think their names were Bryce, I think, I'm not sure about that, and Brooks. Um, I'm going to guess the guy was Bryce. But um, maybe we see more of him. Maybe he's going to be um, uh, an addition, like Shaw was, to Team Machine because she's become disenchan- she became disenchanted with it. Maybe this guy is going to be the same. He lets her go, and like you said, either he's not long for this world or he defects and finds, uh, finds a, a, the machine team, team Machine with open arms. And that would, be, that would be good because I think that would make him... Uh, he he and Shaw could really uh, work together as a uh, as a good as a good. I mean, if she she trained him. Man alive! What a what a combination to have on on your side. Yeah, and I could see this going so many different ways, Doug. We could see him again, but it only be shortly because he then becomes a, a cold body. We could see him as a cold body. We never see him alive again. Uh, or, or just hear him in name only, and, and we would know what to do with that, or Shaw would especially know what to do with that. Or, you know, we've been talking for a few weeks now where it looks, we could see a path going where one of the members of Team Machine meets an untimely demise, and perhaps this guy would be in position, or frankly, maybe even Tomas be in a position to step in and fill a role that has tragically been vacated. Well, uh, Bryce... This guy would be a good fit because he's aware. I don't know if he's aware of the machine per se. Maybe he did not know where the numbers were coming from. But to uh, introduce him to that wouldn't be as much of a culture shock as it would be for Tomas. And, right. Uh, and whereas right. Tomas is a, a great thief, but that's what he does. Shaw and Bryce were both trained to be terrorist uh, apprehenders and, you know, that sort of thing. And so they both have the same sort of training. And like I said, Shaw trained him. So he would have more of the skills necessary for Team Machine. I'd like to, it would be interesting to see what they do. But then again, like you said, somebody's got to make room for that. And uh, that would be rough. Unless he becomes their man on the inside and helps, ah. and helps them find a, a weakness or exploit a weakness that is discovered from the inside. And, you know, that's true because I don't see a way that they can really deal with this from the outside. I mean, Samaritan can be one step ahead based on, you know, whatever he sees them doing. But if you have somebody on the inside uh, letting people know, you know, what's happening here, what's happening there, or being able to sabotage things from the inside, that's Perhaps uh, Samaritan's blind spot. It can't deal with that because it's it's assu- it has to make it has to make some assumptions. I guess I get, or maybe mm-hmm. it just can watch everybody all the time. And and of course we know that it's uh, it saw what he did. Although the the footage was erased, but Samaritan's still watching and is now trying to recreate that right and find out who uh, who that person is that he let escape. Right, and if it does fully reconstruct that and learn that that 
scene if it sees that then his cover is blown or any cover that he could hope for is blown but we're gonna we're gonna hear some great feedback from barb this week which will point out something that i don't i don't want to spoil it i don't want to get ahead of it but but she's gonna yeah she's gonna point out something in her feedback that will will reveal just how careful the team machine needs to be. And when thinking about would a member of team machine be able to sneak in and go undercover or infiltrate Samaritan or, or, you know, the, the base of Samaritan, whatever you, however you want to term that, uh, maybe not so fast. And, and so they almost need, do need to have somebody on the inside. But again, Assuming his name was Bryce, uh, he may not be that guy if if his cover is blown. It, that, not that he has a cover at this point, but you, you understand what I mean. If his loyalty yeah, is yeah. being questioned by the machine or by Samaritan, rather. Well, we had a side story again involving Harold and Root, and putting those two together, they just they just love doing that now because of how last season they were so at odds with each other and. Mm-hmm. Harold considered Root extremely dangerous and just uh, and a psychopath, and in a sense, she was uh, early on, especially. <laughs> yeah. You know, can understand his point of view, uh, but but the the antagonism they both had, and now this is at least twice now that they've been working together specifically to deal with a Samaritan issue, and or you know, in the case of the uh, the first time they got together, you know, some way to get a uh, a communication network together, but. Um, the whole one tablet per student uh, charity sounds like, based on the descriptions we were hearing, that it was on the up and up, and there was nothing you know untoward about it. There was no special sneaky uh, software that was being installed on these things, but uh, but Samaritan really wanted something there to to, to go on. All they'd all have cameras. There you go. Yeah, maybe one tablet per student version 1.0 was all in the up and up. And maybe in the mind of Jared Wilkins, it was in on the up and up. But I have no doubt that by version 1.01, that Samaritan, that first firmware update or software update that would have been pushed out would have had uh, some sort of Samaritan, you know, tracking or observation capabilities so that one tablet per student equals one spying device per household. Well, and you would just need a, a tablet, and you wouldn't really need to have anything fancy on there, a camera and a Wi-Fi you know, connected, and you have that many more, like you said, that many more spying uh, devices in every, uh, uh, in every house. It could have its own little GPS in there, all, all these tablets do these days. So mm-hmm. it wouldn't necessarily have to be all that nefarious in terms of the software. The hardware is all it needs, and and uh, Samaritan can tap, tap into it. So uh, I did like uh, Root uh, with the blonde. Yeah, what did you think? <laughs> that was nice, and and playing the the part of the French nanny was was pretty good too. That was good. <laughs> yeah, Mary Poppins, she ain't <laughs> right. She she needed the uh, bag that you just pull all kinds of crazy stuff out of, and the umbrella. That's right, a spoonful of sugar, buddy, and I'll make you, you know, or just take you out. Although but, her nannying skills, holy cow, 
She's sitting there over at Jared's house while he's he's in the other room on a meeting. The kid, if you're watching the kid in the background, which I totally missed the first time, I, I I saw him back there playing, and I thought he was just playing while she's sitting there talking to Harold. No, no, no. The kid looks like he's got finger paints or something. He's smearing it all over. The, there's like handprints of, of paint on the couch. I mean, he's just going crazy back there, making a complete mess. Wasn't he throwing something too? I he was did like, throw I, I was waiting to hear point. a crash or something. Yeah, yeah. Which I did notice that the first time through. Uh, okay, that's just a kid. You know, kids are throwing things. Not not that big of a deal. Yeah, he was totally wrecking the place. And, and then of course after she throws her phone into the aquarium and the dad comes out, he's got something on his hands and he's smearing it all over the glass of the aquarium. <laughs> yeah, I did this think was- it was a little bit weird that the hacking screen that came onto her phone is like. It's it's like the default hacking screen that we see on anything. I don't care what it is that's being hacked. There has to be green screen and glitchy things across the screen in order for kind us like to understand. Hexadecimal numbers flying by, you know. Right. It's like, you right. know, if a hacker was doing that, that's that's sloppy. You it's just do exactly. it behind the scenes and nobody sees anything. Samaritan would be hacking your phone and you would never know it. Just like when Harold hacks your phone, yes. clones your phone, you never know it. Wait. My phone? Yes, you, Doug. I, oh, I thought you knew. I, I, yeah. yeah so have, it, it's I'll, it's I'll just start, I'll start making sure that I'm not uh, saying anything that uh, they 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 might consider you know dangerous. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a it's TV, right? So it's so that the viewer will know the phone is being mm-hmm. hacked. But well, it's the it's the. 21st century equivalent of 1960s blinking lights computers. It's just lights blinking, 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 tape drives going, <laughs> you know, and the thing's just sitting there, you know, just blinking lights, blinking lights. Nobody knows what the lights mean, mm-hmm. but man, it's got to have them. That's right. So yeah, yeah, you got your little thing. I thought, I, I, I liked some of the Samaritan uh, footage, the view of Samaritan when we had, when Root has uh, dressed up as one of the people who works at the OTPS thing. Mm-hmm. The one lady walks out. She, I think, gets her uh, her ID thing and starts walking back in. And you see uh, you see Root on the camera now looking, uh, you know, all dressed up that way. And Samaritan says, you know, course deviation. And then it says re-evaluation. And, and you know, it's like he Samaritan is knows exactly what uh, I... I you know what course she takes home where you know how she walks whether she takes the bus whether she takes the uh the subway or a car or the whole bit so my guess is i i'm wondering if these it's i mean why bother putting that on there okay it looks interesting course deviation whatever reevaluation it said and i'm wondering if these little bits of uh you know changes in uh, a person's normal you know habits are we're just getting hints dropped that Samaritan is starting to see, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's something a little different here. There's something a little different there. This is not normal. What's going on? You know, so that we are being, um, we're, like I said, we're getting hints dropped that somebody is going to get their cover blown uh, sometime during the season. I mean, we keep hearing the, oh, you might blow your cover. Oh, yeah, it's like, it's like, it's like the eternal, the, the one thing we're always worried about it's always on the you know the back of our minds but we are seeing where this could actually happen because samaritan is paying attention it sees what you're doing well i i do think that that's i love the observations and and i do think that somebody's cover getting blown 
is only a matter of time because they've been hinting about it all season on how careful they need to be. The last episode that we got before this week, Root was identified as a threat. And then, of course, the machine got course corrected by the plant that she had put in. But, you know, she got really close to being discovered there. And then in in this episode, we see we've already talked about it there where Shaw, if the, if Samaritan is able to reconstruct that final image where it spun around from what, from to see what Bryce was looking at or who Bryce was looking at and reconstruct Shaw, well then her cover is going to be blown in a, in a very major way. And unless the, you know, roots bug is able to, to fool the machine again. But at some point Samaritan is, I said the machine, I meant Samaritan of course, but at some point, Samaritan is going to go, hmm, something's not right. Let me run a self-eval. Let me defrag my hard drives or something. And it's going to f- discover, you know, the the worm that it has living inside of it. And and it's only a matter of time before Samaritan figures out what's going on and, and our team is discovered. Clearly, this perfume counter girl is not going around stealing viruses. <laughs> That's correct. Why is perfume Maybe, girl here? Yeah, I like the guy who came. We were talking about we were talking about hacker uh, hacker screens and all that. I uh-huh. like the guy who shows up that apparently Samaritan, uh, you know, sent him a message. He says somebody offered me three thousand dollars to fix your internet in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Samaritan, self aware. Ha- it sent some some random guy that it knew was a savvy network technician. That was walking by. I mean, this is the things that Samaritan would have the capabilities to do. And uh, just randomly shows up. Very, very interesting for sure. And it sets up what uh, what Samaritans um, or some more of Samaritan, just in case we weren't aware of it completely. We had kind of forgotten. It's only looking at, uh, you know, camera feeds from New York City. It does have, you know, that capability to go and say, pull anybody off the street, send them a message. As we heard in that one episode, kind of like construct the email right in their inbox. And, you know, there's no way to trace it back to anywhere because it didn't come from anywhere. Just mm-hmm. there it is. So we have, again, you know, that sort of high tech uh, 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 gimmickry there to say, hey, you can, I'll pay you 3000 bucks to fix their uh, fix this company's Internet. And, you know, because clearly he saw what was going on. Now, not, didn't know who it was. Harold, quite the geek squad, uh, turning off all the cameras, circumventing Samaritan. I thought that was really well done. Yep. I liked uh, what he was, uh, you know, to working all that out. But, um, but you know, so we we see the back and forth of the, what the, we, we see a little bit of what a war between the machine and Samaritan could really look like. And it could be involving all Samaritan would have no problem in pulling in all sorts of people into this war, not caring, you know, whether they live or die. That's right. not its that's not its uh, its concern. It's just trying to get to the target. And I can, you know, it'll pull anybody in from anywhere uh, by any means necessary. And it has lots of means. Mm-hmm. That's right. It's really is quite intriguing. It definitely could be a foreshadowing of the type of warfare that could be heading our way. I love the way the episode ended uh, with, with this storyline where Root and Harold are sitting there or standing there just kind of pondering. Did they make the right call? Did they do the right thing? Was there really something nefarious going on here? I mean, I already said that I'm sure 
that version 1.01 of the device or the software would have had some sort of Samaritan tracking code in there. But there's no way to know that for sure. Harold uh, shoots back with the thought that the first thing that Fidel Castro did when he took over Cuba was to build good schools, hearts and minds. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, you get them that way. And that's exactly what could have happened here. Get them with hearts and minds or get them on, on something that seems wonderful. And then you use that to exploit something else. Uh, and it's not just good schools, but when you control the education, mm-hmm. you can teach them anything you want. And the same thing would go for, you know, each student's tablet. Mm-hmm. It could have exactly like what you were saying, what Samaritan wanted them to see and, and, and that sort of thing. So a good school is one thing, a good tablet, you know, the... Uh, 21st century technology in the palm of your hand here, but when somebody else is in charge of it, you have to uh, you have to be careful about that. Yeah, yeah. And then the quote: "How much are we willing to do in the name of right?" I mean, we don't. Which is to kind of say we did this be, because we are are carrying the banner of we're you know of the higher ground of the higher standard of the higher moral we are we're carrying the banner for what is right in this war that nobody realizes that we're in but did we do the right thing here because we don't know for sure we think we did we on the best intelligence we had we made the best call that we could but we're still not quite sure how much are we willing to do when we're pretty sure we're doing the right thing well and it's a case of again the ends justifying the means but our mean our ends are good so the means don't matter, but Samaritans' means are. I'm getting these mixed up. Samaritans' ends are bad, so it doesn't matter what the means are. He's doing it, but but we are doing you know doing it for a higher calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you still have an issue there if you're if you have moral ends. That does that flow out of immoral means? You yeah. know so. I mean, it is, it's, it it's is a, a tough decision. And it, it, it is a tough decision, and it's a bit of a tragedy when you look at it that way, at least from the perspective that here's a guy named Jared Wilkins who had a vision to, to make a path of education to people, to families, to children who could not have dreamed of having that path made available to them unless someone like him stepped up and was willing to do something for the greater good of people. But then you have someone like Samaritan who says, hmm, well, let me take advantage of that. And it's so hard. It's, it's, it's a tragedy when you think about it because someone that I, I believe Jared had, had nothing but good intentions and good motives and was going to make a difference in the world. And Samaritan couldn't let him do that. Because I, I said, I, I believe Samaritan would have exploited that opportunity to get into every house and Manipulate the hearts and minds and spy on the hearts and the lives yeah. of people. How would you, how would you, as part of Team Machine, explain it to Jared? You know, that's that, that would be, that would be a very tough sell. Well, there, you know, this other machine was going to take advantage of all your goodwill. Mm-hmm. There was things that were bad that were going to come out of it. What, should I stop being charitable now? You know, so yeah, that's, that's a, that's a real, that's a real tough uh, uh, act to juggle. And our, our story primarily takes place in New York, obviously, but we did learn last episode that in the Pretenders, I think, right? Was that the last episode, Pretenders? Yeah. That they were manipulating elections and they had people within political power all around the world uh, and all, all across the U.S. So while 
that $12 million grant was able to go under the radar here in New York and they foiled their plan. That's not to say that they, they, they didn't have a similar plan or couldn't execute a similar plan in a different city. Um, I don't know if that'll happen or not, because like I said, our story primarily takes place in New York, but I, I do think that there is some sort of possibility that um, this was just one small drop in the bucket that really isn't going to matter for now. Yep. Tough. It's a tough, uh, I like how they are bringing up at least the tough decisions. You know, mm-hmm. you get a lot of TV shows where we're, we're the good guys. And so we blow things up and, you know, uh, we break the law here and there, but <laughs> you know we'll have a we'll have a beer afterwards, and it's all okay. Right? Yeah, they're asking the hard questions here, and they are not going to just slough them off. You know, they there have been some um, some backstories, some some stories in the past where that kind of thing did happen, but we are getting more and more into the real questions on which this whole this whole TV show really is uh, is hinging on. Yep. Good stuff. Really good stuff. Alrighty, I have some surveillance in the news. Do you now? Yeah, I do. And speaking of cameras, there was a an article on app.com, app.com. It's called Cry, You're on Hidden Camera. Anybody remember the old smile, you're on candid camera thing? You have to be yep. uh, about my age or so. <laughs> I think they came back out. They they redid it for a short time in the nineties. That's true. They did. And Alan Funt was just kind of sitting there and you know being the uh, the guy. He wasn't quite as uh, spry as he was before. So this story is uh, about a person who has been caught by uh, those uh, traffic light cameras, where you run a red light or you're speeding or stuff like that. And a little bit of uh, description of this this person's uh, uh, experience with that. And uh, then he says, notwithstanding these common understandings, speed and red light cameras are becoming increasingly prevalent, as reflected by the bulging coffers of participating towns and municipalities. In Washington alone, traffic citations total about $179 million a year. Wow. So what's wrong with that? Drive too fast or run a red light and take your medicine. Non-drivers contemptuously intone, well, yes, but not really. Here's the... Relevant question. Thank you. <laughs> are, are the cameras designed to increase public safety? Or are they just a means to trap citizens and make money? The conclusion of an audit earlier this month by the District of Columbia Inspector General suggests the latter. In one revealing quote cited in the report, a senior district official commented on the effrontery and efficacy of the parking ticket system. Quote, if one of the beauties of one of the beauties of parking, it's like the Internal Revenue Service. If you get a parking ticket, you are guilty until you have proven yourself innocent. And that works well for for us. Close <laughs> nice. quote. Ditto can be said of camera caught speeders, which resulted in 745,000 tickets in 2013. So anyway, and I know we've had this issue going on in Atlanta, where I am and a number of Cities have added that a little, you know, uh, the suburb cities have added that. And mm-hmm. after a while, it's been taken down. Uh, there had been, if I recall, some uh, some of the, like you said, this is all with third parties. And so what they would do is they would tweak the light, uh, the light so that the yellow was a little bit shorter than it was before. Mm. And so you'd get more speed. You tweak it down a little bit, you get more money. And uh, wow. So 
it's uh, it, it's mm. it's it can get to be like I said just a a money making machine. Uh, going back to the article, the argument basically questioned whether the city was attempting to exact property from Ohio drivers, and we're talking we switched uh, to Toledo in the uh, in the article here, without access to a judge authorized by and accountable to duly elected legislators. It all gets rather weedy. And does seem like picking a nit to cure a plague, but so goes American jurisprudence. The Ohio motorist case points to the more general concern that the gotcha cameras, by eliminating the middleman, that is a human being, violates our sense of fair play. So the camera doesn't care. Well, it's interesting I thought- because I there was a news story. I don't know if it was on the national news this week or if, if our local news brought in a story from a different community. I don't know why they would have done that. So I got to think it was on the national news. And the story was that this one city, and it was a pretty good size city, it was a city I'd heard of, uh, but um, they had been sold this camera system for ticketing purposes uh, by you know the company that manufactures those sorts of things, saying that it would, yeah, it's going to cost the city X Y Z, but it's going to pay for itself over an abundance because it's going to increase your revenues because of the increased tickets it's going to give you, blah 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 blah. But what happened was that the the public saw the cameras and changed their behavior in the proximity of the cameras, which is to say, hey, there's a camera there. I'm going to not speed. I'm not going to run this light. And therefore, the city didn't get the revenue that they were anticipating. And the camera systems haven't even, haven't even paid for themselves. And their revenues are down. Hmm. So now the city has a shortfall because of the cameras that were put in place that were supposed to bring them more money. Now you can't say you know, like you know many people do. Well, it's a public safety thing; it shouldn't matter. You know, right. that the city's not yeah. making money, but the city still has people it's got to pay. You know, and yeah. uh, it still has police cars it's got to maintain and fire. You know, engines that have to be refueled and all that stuff. And so there's there's that balancing act too. So yeah, maybe they do uh, increase uh, the. Uh, I heard also though there were some some cases where. You see the camera. The light turns yellow, and people are hitting are hitting the brake. I don't want to get run this thing, and you know. So, but then they get rear-ended, you know. So, mm. anyway, uh, there's, there's stuff on both sides. But I think generally, yes, I can see where it would be. Uh, I I know when, like I said, when we had cameras here, I'm kind of like, oh yeah, maybe I will just uh, stay behind the line here and not try to, uh, uh, you know, kind of creep forward and that sort of thing. I did once get nailed by a uh, a camera. I think I was. Uh, I think I went. I was making a left turn, and uh, and the light had turned red, and I still made the turn. I thought I. I figured I was in the in the intersection, but anyway, I mean, I'm not going to argue that case here. But you know, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's there's again there's there's, there's both sides to that. Do we have we have public um, the public safety issue versus, and you said like the uh, the intentions of. Many of these cities was, hey, cash cow, here we come. Mm-hmm. And I understand cities are in a bit of a, 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 a tough spot because sales tax revenues are down because more people are shopping online. And even though you're supposed to report that as a revenue or, or as a, you know, you purchase something, you know, nobody hardly does. And those, so, you know, cities are struggling to find ways to pay for the things that we as citizens want and demand and have come accustomed to even though we aren't supporting them in the ways that we have in, you know, traditionally. So I, I can, I can see their point of view, but I do think it's quite ironic that the cameras backfired in the sense that they wanted them to. 
Yep, it's a it's a tough balancing act. Alrighty, so All right. there's your surveillance of the week. Very cool. All right, you ready for some feedback then? Is that where we're at now? Feedback? I am absolutely ready. Beat the machine, listener predictions, general feedback. I guess we should get it kicked off this week with that feedback that I alluded to earlier from Barb. Here it is. Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's person of interest. I'll give this epi 8.5 gun-toting, man-killing, computer-hacking nannies. We were again in number of the week mode, but with what I believe are two very significant twists. And pardon me, Doug, if I step on your tech segment. Samaritan is growing by leaps and bounds in its reach. Sure, we saw that it wants to put an apple in every home and spy on children and their families, but the real growth was displayed in its ever-watching on-screen boxes. Not only is it searching for threats by analyzing the background of individuals and their communications, but it is now looking at the way they dress, their biometrics, their stride or gait, and their typical daily patterns of behavior. It knew within seconds that Root was not the legal uh, secretary she attempted to emulate in order to sneak in and damage its project. And look at all the tools available today that can provide this information. Electronic files from your doctor's office, biometric screening information required by workplaces as part of healthcare annual enrollment, apps such as RunKeeper, any garment tracking device, and of course the ever-present cameras. If someone did want to amass this type of info, it's available everywhere. Guess our machine understands this new twist far too well as it gave Root multiple identities over the past two weeks to keep her safe, although she doesn't yet understand the danger she is in. It was also telling that the that Shaw's old trainee deleted the video feed and Samaritan restored it, tagging Shaw in the process. Root and Shaw will now be threats in the machine's eyes, setting up what I do believe the demise of Shaw for Root. As a side note, I'm sure her old trainee will find himself bye-bye since he tried to cover it up. But interesting that we saw two more people this week who had boundaries. Their moral compasses, more or less intact, considering their lines of work, My second observation is that I thought it was interesting that Samaritan changed its mind about destroying the virus, and that's chilling. It has apparently assessed what it can do with the virus, perhaps wiping out millions of people at an almost 90% fatality rate if they serve Samaritan no purpose. This is AI gone rogue. The battle of the machines is coming. That's it for this week. This is Barb signing out and heading out to check out those Barcelona wines. (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm going to get lo- rid of RunKeeper on my uh, on my phone right now. <laughs> yeah, I I liked her observation. This is very very similar to what you were you were saying. You, you had no idea that that uh, Barb had you hadn't heard what Barb was going to say. But where it picked out the the differences between Root and the legal secretary or whatever it was she what I'm not, I, that could be her role. I wasn't sure what her role was. And just the way that she broke her routine, the way that she didn't move quite the same way, uh, th- these are the things that are going to make it really hard for a potentially Team Machine to to infiltrate into the Samaritan ranks. Yeah, and I think that, like I said, the the addition of that Samaritan view of the cameras with the lines we're talking about, hey, something's different here, I think those are hints by the writers that are being dropped in front of us to say, yes, this is possible. Samaritan notices this. It's not being fooled by this necessarily. Although Root did manage to do what she was there to do, 
Um, maybe Samaritan wasn't completely sure, hey, there's a deviation, but it wasn't uh, positive it wasn't her. But nonetheless, the hints have been dropped that it's more sensitive to these changes than some people may have thought. We have not seen, for example, the machine. Maybe the machine can do that, but we haven't seen, as far as I know, uh, the machine able to uh, to do this, or at least, tell, I said, tell us that it does this. Excuse me. So, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that the writers are being honest with us and letting us know this kind of thing can happen. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, um, Jess had some feedback. Now, actually, Jess sent this in <clears throat> in the intervening week there. Mm-hmm. This is Jess in Atlanta. Great place to be from. <laughs> I don't know and, about that. Oh, come on. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> she says this, I've been meaning to send in feedback all season. And I'm just now getting around to it. You always think those little round wooden things that say to it on it. Here, there's your round to it. Go ahead, do it. I tend to watch the show with my husband, and we don't have time to sit down together during the week to watch it, but I have been a loyal podcast listener this season. Thank you very much, Jess. So I have a few... Beat the machine (laughs) predictions. What? You did something on your week off, didn't you? I had to do something. I mean, you know, no 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 podcasting. What do I do? You couldn't go run around the cul-de-sac, so you had to do no. something else. No, the cul-de-sac is just there and back. It's just, just, yeah. Okay, so anyway, she wanted to lock in. She wanted to, these predictions that she wanted to lock in while we have a week off. I find it very interesting that we have Elias and Dominic squaring off. Now, she's talking about uh, the previous episode. For control of the city, it's a nice parallel between the two machines squaring off for control of the same city. Elias clearly represents the old order, or the machine, and Dominic represents the new order, or Samaritan. What if it's just that? The machine is now working more through Elias as an ally to take down Samaritan, since back in season one it actually saved Elias's life, which is true, Elias was one of the numbers. I know it saved his life under an assumed alias, alias, Elias, I like the similarity, but I wonder if it did that knowingly. So somehow Elias is tied to the end game and the machine's return to power. We have seen several episodes that are Brotherhood-centric, so especially after this last episode, I think Samaritan might be pushing the Brotherhood into power to oppose Elias and secure its spot as the supreme power of the city. Also, they are both pretenders to the throne, so that's a nice tie-in to that last episode. Anyway, thanks for the podcast. I really enjoyed the insights into each episode. Until next time, I wonder, what does the scanner see? Does it see into us clearly or darkly? Darkly, Mm. of course. I hope so. I don't want it to see us too much here. Mm-hmm. No need to get too animated. See what I did there? (laughs) Cute. (laughs) That's right. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, you know, it is interesting to see the parallels between the uh, the machines squaring off and the Elias squaring off. Um, I think yeah. that was something the writers intended us to too, uh, yeah. to, to see to parallel to you know, line up like that. It was that was a, it was a nice thing to do by the writers to show that. Now we haven't seen Elias or Dominic since then, but uh, that would be nice to to see as keep that in mind as we see that relationship change. Yeah, and while I hadn't really thought that the machine would be using Elias and Samaritan Dominic. I don't think it's outside of the realm of possibility, particularly when you think about the line that Elias gave to Finch there on the subway car where he thought, where he said something in the world isn't quite the same that it used to be. And that 
that could be uh, at least some sort of nod that he is aware of the presence of the machine and might be being used by the machine, although not completely aware of, of what's happening. No, yeah, that, that, that's a... And it also shows us that Elias is very sensitive, very observant of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You can see something has has changed a bit. Finch can't really keep him in the dark for too long. Yep. All right. Thank you, Jess. This one comes in from Andrew. He says, for me, Honor Among Thieves is a $9.5 million score. Pun intended. (laughs) This was another showcase of how well the characters are juggled. There were great moments for everyone on the team, plus the new government duo, which helped give the episode the kind of roller coaster progression I love. One of those great moments is the shot lingering en route after Finch posed that difficult question near the end. I was hoping she'd respond, but it was striking that she was somewhat stymied despite her moral flexibility. Um, That's an interesting way of putting it. Her yeah. moral flexibility. Yeah. He says, all told, Root became even more endearing in this episode. When or if she is killed off, it's going to hit hard. I agree mm. with that. He says, it's also interesting, given what Reese told Malcolm in Brotherhood, that you can't make something right by doing something wrong. This season's focus on AI is creating a nice reflection on the human element. Again, something that Jess was kind of uh, commenting on, too. And then Andrew says, Shaw running off with Tomas felt like a distinct possibility, like Root's fate being uncertain in profits. The team's continually fragile situation, not to mention the show's precedent for big moves, makes all these developments that much more tangible. We are discussing the loss of Shaw or Root or something like that. And in many other you know, TV shows... That kind of thing would be, yeah, but that ain't going to happen. You know, they they did it to uh, Jocelyn Carter, and for a uh, one of the reasons I think they did was to say, yeah, see, somebody could just be uh, taken out anytime. So you don't know for sure uh, who is safe and who isn't. So I like that. Yeah, I do too. All right. The man who loves H's as much as I do, Doc H., Sent this in. This seemed like a weird episode this week. Shaw and Root were great, but Finchie seemed to be just phoning it in. All of his scenes were chopped, awkward, and a little bit lecture-like from a podium. Otherwise, Reese and Fusco had to take second chair as far as the limited screen time, and they were good, but it felt like they could have been a little more essential to this week's plot. They got their quota of one-liners and truisms across to us, but in a very limited performance. Overall, a good episode, but my initial impression is that they were packing two consecutive episodes tightly into just one this week. This storyline, only slightly expanded, would have easily filled two season one or two episodes. I also liked that they tossed a whole big chunk of myth arc on top of the fire. Samaritan's tablet outreach to the kids is a huge statement about the adverse role of technology of our little primates, our little primate lives. Think Pink Floyd. All in all, they're just another brick in the wall. Plus the relevance connection to Shaw and her old trainee. I think the entire affair this week was Samaritan chum-baiting the waters for Team Machine. The delete and 3D re-rendering of Shaw's escape at the end of the episode suggests as much. 
Her old trainee was the bait. Samaritan knows he let someone go, probably Shaw, based on his prior association with her, and his humanitarian bent. Now, I just want to back up here and say, did Samaritan... Does Samaritan have a previous association with Shaw? Because I think that was just the machine. She was just on the relevant side of the machine. I don't know if we're talking about... I don't know if Samaritan knows who she is necessarily, other than potentially uh, as an adversary from Team Machine. Resuming now. Now Samaritan is getting a hook into a Team Machine member, and Shaw will be the bait that leads to the new headquarters in the old subway tunnel. Mm. Kibble alert. (laughs) I like that one. Next week, apparently, very bear-centric. All right, we'll see more of them. How are you? I caught one POI message board this week, and the joke was that the machine will have all of Team Machine and new jobs by the end of the season. Hiding in plain sight as an ad agency and TV commercial spokesperson. Here are a few I can repeat. Oh. <laughs> okay. Yes, indeedy. Okay. Lionel Fusco for Christian Mingle. <laughs> Samantha Root Groves. I think it's Graves. Graves? Groves. 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 Miss Groves. That's right. For Latuda <laughs> and the treatment of bipolar disorder. Yes. Yeah, no kidding. After all that she's going through. John Reese for the hover round wheelchair. Oh. Don't get that one. I, I hope he's not... Predicting Reese will be in a wheelchair by the end of the episode or end of the season. That would be bad. That would, that be, would bad. be bad. Anyway, Doc H then says cheers. So thank you very much, sir. Oh, that was classic kibble alert. I like that. I like that. We'll have to remember that for the next time we see Bear. Well, we did talk about how talented Bear was by being able to speak Dutch, uh, quote Shakespeare. What was the third thing? Oh, and, and use Twitter. So uh, if if next week is indeed a bear-centric episode, then he's rightfully deserving of a, a episode-centric. It's opponent. about time. It's yeah. about time. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, what do you? What, what can you he, tell us about next week's episode, Doug? Oh man, next week you're gonna love it. Well, I hope you will. It's a lot of bear in it. Well, who knows? Okay, it says here. This is point of origin. Is the title of the episode Reese? volunteers as an NYPD police academy instructor in order to keep an eye on a talented young officer whose suspicious actions make him question her motives. Meanwhile, Martine, now I had to look this one up because I hadn't gotten her name, but she's that woman we met in the first episode of this season. She's kind of the Samaritan's Terminator. Oh, yes, yes. Martine, armed with information from Samaritan, hunts a member of the team. Ooh. So, I would I'm guessing that's Shaw. Shaw. Anybody? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's really interesting, Reese joining the police academy. I'm having visions of somebody getting their fingers stuck into their hair while they're in the shower. <laughs> and, and somebody who does very, uh, very interesting uh, uh, sound effects with exactly. their mouth. Exactly. Yes. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Oh, man, those were some good movies. Well, uh, we have, as recurring cast, we have Martine, but we also have Greer listed. And okay. I thought this was interesting. Romeo is listed again. So maybe this little falling out that they had with Shaw, they're either getting back together, or she's giving him a second chance, or maybe he's peeved and he wants to get back at her. Mm-hmm. Well, we've seen or him earlier in the goal. season, so it stands to reason that, I mean, that's her cover. Partially is is uh, working with them, so I could see that. 
And it'll be written by, well, it was written by, it's just going to be shown next week. It was written by Tony Camerino and directed by Richard J. Lewis. Hmm. wonder if he's any relation to Daniel J. Lewis. Daniel J. Lewis, they have the same middle and last name. They do. Or, yeah, that's amazing. Well, we would love for you to be like Dutch and Barb and Andrew and uh, Jess and send in your feedback, your thoughts, your beat the machine predictions for next week's episode. The machine. <laughs> nice. I had to use it again. You can do that by calling the Golden Spiral Media Voice feedback line. The number is 304 837 2278. Or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. You can, once you're over there, you can use the SpeakPipe widget to record your feedback with your computer's microphone. You can type out an email contribution, send it to us via our feedback form. Or you can attach an audio file and submit it via our feedback form. All kinds of easy ways to submit your feedback to this or any other Golden Spiral Media podcast. That's goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. Do it. We want you on this show. Indeed. You can also follow us on Twitter. We like to hang out and, and tweet with Bear the, the Dog, Bear the Hound. You can follow us, though, at POI Podcast GSM. That's POI Podcast GSM. The official Golden Spiral Media, the main... Twitter account is GSM Podcasts, so that's another one you can check out. And I am Mar Daryl, and Doug is Doug Payton. That's Payton with an A. And we are on Facebook, too. You will love it there if you pop on by. I will occasionally repost. We'll both repost things from places that we see, including uh, the, the scenes from next week, some stills from next week. You can put your uh, comments there as well. Just look for Person of Interest. On Person of Interest podcast on Facebook. That's probably the best way to do it. All right. Sounds good. Well, thank you for tuning into this episode of Person of Interest podcast. We'll be back next week with a new episode. And until then, maybe I'll go find a Shakespeare book, dust it off, and read some of it. What do you think? Is that a good idea? Embark at it. And I'm Doug saying if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit or a a blonde Mary Poppins watching over you. 